Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Back, guys. Welcome back. This is Prophet Calvin Ward, and I want to welcome you to the Strategically Prophetic Broadcast on tonight. We're doing a special session called the Discussion Room, where we have some powerful ministers who are here with us, and I get to ask them some questions, and they get to chime in. And guess what? You get to ask questions. You get to comment. We want that interaction. Also, what I do ask is that you will share us on Facebook. We're going YouTube Live. We're going Twitch Live. We're going Periscope Live, and we're on Facebook Live on tonight. And this is to put out the word so that we can be blessed and get revelation out there. Just spread the word. So let's get back to the show on tonight. Greetings, gentlemen. We are back uh, <laughs> from the practical little break there. But let's continue on. Um, so we talked about, you know, the state of the church. We talked about what the Lord has given you, you to share about what's going on with the church right now. And we talked about, of course, the state of the church. And then the power of teaching or that uh, the, the magisterium of the church, the teaching branch of the church. And we've had some comments on that. And we also talked about making disciples and how powerful uh, the concept of making disciples uh, is. And, you know, Apostle L.A. went to Matthew, but, you know, it was given to us to do that. So I want to transition a little bit now and talk about uh, church leadership as, you know, in, in the in recent days. And you don't have to give names, but. I just want to talk in general because there's been a lot of stories recently of our so-called apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists and bishops and, and all of this. And and my my take has always been this. If you call yourself an elder, now y'all just going to have to let, let, let me be the prophet for like two minutes. So if you call yourself an elder or an apostle or a prophet or whatever title that we call ourselves, then we need to act like it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And, and so what we see now is some of the highest positions of the ministry and of the church, we're seeing bad fruit. And some of this fruit is being promoted and it's being spread across the body of Christ. Uh, can we talk about leadership in the church? Um, what do you see when you look across the church and we and, and, and you and you have to talk about the topic of leadership? You know, what would you say? What do you see in the church as far as leadership? What are some good attributes of good leaders? Because, Pastor Grady, you also mentioned as well, you know, we got people that stay in churches and they're under bad fruit. You're not growing. You're not getting revelation. You're not getting teaching. They don't even preach the Holy Ghost. You're seeing no prophecy, no signs, no power of God, no exousia. They, they don't even have no dunamis, no nothing. But they stay there. Because my mama went to the church. Because my grandmama went to the church. Because I like the pastor. He sounds good and deep. Or because of whatever the case is. But it's not because they're a disciple of Christ. Because we were called to be disciples to Christ. Not to our pastor. Disciples to Christ. Not to our apostle. Disciples to Christ. Not to a prophet. Not to any tele-evangelist. Because when we, it goes back to what you said. When we're a disciple of Christ... We may not be liked. And that puts us over here in a category where we're by ourselves. So can we talk about 
leadership. And, and you can grab that topic. Somebody can grab that topic and take it wherever you want to take it. And we can, yeah. Yeah, we can just go there. I'm going to give to my friend, Apostle Elliot. <laughs> and then, uh, then I'll come in. Yeah. I'm in the afterwards. Thank you. Okay, so so let let me touch touch this thing because you know once again people can't get revelation unless they first have truth because revelation is built on the truth. So let me touch leader because first of all there may be a misunderstanding of what the term leader means. Across the church, because the way the world works, we base leadership upon a position or title that someone holds. That means, you know, if I use the cliche, they hold all the cards. They, they tell you what to do, what not to do, etc. However, uh, if I can clarify, leader means influencer. But uh, so technically, anybody in the body of Christ can be a leader, whether they're a bishop or a street sweeper. The, the, the concept is for one to have and develop their influential ability in order to get people to do the right thing. Case in point, let, let me give somebody some revelation. Uh, somebody probably have an aha moment. When we talk about Solomon, some people say Solomon was wise. All right, but when you really go back and you look at Kings, the scripture said he asked the Lord for a spirit of discernment. Mm -hmm. Now, I like how, how, once again, I'll give credit to my former bishop uh, who has passed on. But one thing they say, he said, really... Solomon wasn't wise in the sense of a lot of knowledge. He said he was a good networker. He knew how to get the best at what they do to do what he needed done. That means his wisdom yoked itself, first of all, in his ability to influence. That later accredits him to being wise or in wise dominion, in the realm of being experienced. So then I have to understand then that the intent to be a leader for the kingdom is not me chasing after a title. Leadership is, after, is me chasing after experience that now I can influence folks based on what I've been through to do the right thing according to his word. Now, in that, now that, that begins to shape the landscape a little bit different right now. Because some may have an ouch moment because just because they're in a position, they notice that they're not able to get people to listen to what they're saying. And it's because the anointing of influence has not come upon you. Why is that? Well, here's the thing. A lot of people fail to understand one of the greatest things of being a leader or having the ability of influence is when influence has fallen over you. When you look at that word grace in the New Testament, 
People say it's unmerited favor. But when you exhaust the term grace, it means unmerited favor based on being under divine influence. So it requires me to let the Lord and his Holy Spirit or his holy character to influence me in order for me to be able to influence somebody else to do what he has influenced me to do. This is, is the foundation of what leadership is all about when it comes to the body of Christ. But oftentimes people miss the mark because once again, based upon what the Western world has given as its cultural beliefs, that in order for you to get ahead, it's going to require you to be in a position with a title that's recognized. And this is what makes you who you are. No, no. As, as, as said before, it's not the title that makes the person, it's the person that makes the title. So, so my influential ability of what I'm able to do and what I've been influenced to do by a greater level of influence now puts me in the place that I have the ability to be a real leader for the kingdom regardless of what man wants to mantle on me as a title or not. Amen? Amen. I hope that answers the question, man of God, or has given some people that are listening some profound nuggets to really chew on, to really assess, am I really a leader or am I fooling myself uh, based upon what I want to define as a leader versus what is foundationalized by the scripture as to being the true leaders? Because you think about it, Jesus was a great leader because he was able to influence, or as we say, move the crowd. Every prophet in the Old Testament, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they caused a struggle with people because some folks didn't want to be influenced. But yet the ones who were influenced became what would really be considered the church because they were the tight inside crowd. Because whatever influence that came to them from the influencer now duplicates itself or replicates itself so that now... They're able to go forward and do what we talked about in segment one, discipling. Students are not only supposed to be in the classroom, students are also supposed to be beating the streets and saying, hey, I want you in my school. Yeah, yeah, are y'all feeling what I'm saying? If, if, if I'm not recruiting people for my school, then what happens is my school ends up having no students. And that means it ends up closing because there is no equity that's going forward for the kingdom. So my intent as a disciple is to be a student to leadership based upon having the influence of what's coming to me to make me a greater influencer when I walk out the door. All right. All right. That's powerful. Uh, I can't hear you, Kevin, so I'm going to go ahead and try to answer a little bit of this question. The state, the state there you are. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking, Dr. This microphone, it's all good. No, I just think that, I just thought that was powerful because it's good for people, if they are listening, to know that you are a leader whether you have a title or not. Amen. And I think it's powerful because we don't talk about deacons, but 
a deacon is an apostolic. I guess we can call it an apostolic gift. You say the orders after, and you know, since everybody loves titles and positions, right? After the apostles, who did they ordain next? Right. <laughs> Amen. Didn't they, yeah. didn't they put deacons in place next? So yeah. we want to talk about order, be like, well, there it is. But there were deacons who were full of the Holy Ghost preaching and teaching and performing miracles and who died. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We don't have to, like you were saying, Pastor. He said everybody has a measure of influence. Yeah. Yes. My God, if people would understand that you influence people all the time. You know, I know. I don't know. It's an old saying. I know. All my, some of my pastors used to say, "Everybody in the church has their church. Everybody in the church got a group of people that watch them that they hang with, or they they have their influencers. So everybody yes. influences somebody." Uh, and I'll say this, I'm going to transition yeah. to Pastor uh, Grady there. I'm going to say this, because we built a conversation about general. Uh, I'm going to let Pastor Grady answer that, jump in on that. Because I know this will start another conversation as well. <laughs> so they were talking about general. And they were like, oh, well, generals, you know, when I think of general, I think it was the word network. Uh, uh, thing. They, were, they had all these people on there, everybody talking about what is a general. And they said, well, a general is somebody, so we think of a general, general somebody in the military that is an influencer, that is an influencer over a thousand, over a lot of people. And good, great, great But coming over to the spiritual zone, that doesn't necessarily qualify you to go to the general. Uh, you know, it doesn't qualify you to be a leader. You know, because, you know, today we've got all these things that I've been trying to I'm going to just pass this mic to you. That's a topic thing. Jesus didn't probably try to get everybody on his side. He ministered to the people that he was supposed to minister to. And then when his disciples, those disciples went out and they took the trip. They duplicated what they received. And so I think a lot of people are doing this stuff in one way. They think in order to be effective, I have to have a lot of numbers. In order to be effective, I gotta have a good church. In order to be effective, I have to have numbers of people. Again, thank you so much. Uh, the concept of church, we we keep we're using the word church, and, and that yeah. means one thing to this group and another thing to the other group. Leadership, as as uh, the apostle stated a few moments ago, all of us are influencers. Uh, it could be for the good, <laughs> or it could <laughs> yeah. be for the bad. Yeah. Adolf Hitler was a great influencer. I used to ask my students, "What did he tell the first three generals that he brought up to the house?" before he began to exterminate uh, the Jews. What did he say to them? Because they had to go back and influence the other generals and the colonels and the lieutenant colonels and the captains and the majors and the so So all of us have the ability to influence. But when we talk about church leadership, the assumption is that the individual who is in leadership represents not his body, but the Lord's body. Amen. He is a caretaker. He is a watchman that stands up on the wall. And the assumption is that he is plugged in <laughs> to the true vine. That he's getting his messages. He's getting his word from the tower. And those who hear that word celebrated by saying, amen, hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Because they recognize it also as the word of God. The church leadership in these days 
is really based on a whole lot of norms that were created through religion. The person who gives the most money, the person mm -hmm. who exercises the most spiritual gifts, the person who has the greatest song, the person, there are a whole lot of things that we attribute before, while we make leadership or while we release leadership in the presence of the people of God. And one of the things that is so necessary that church leaderships have to recognize when they're not leading by divine proclamation, when they, they've sought the title. You know, I, I had a good friend of mine recently because said, Pastor, I'm going to, I'm going to go to armor bearer school. I said, well, so what are you going to learn there? Well, uh, I'm going to learn how to be an armor bearer. And then they're going to give me a license and they're going to ordain me and, and, and I'll, you know, I'll get to wear a collar and I'll get to serve the, the, the leadership, the pastor or whoever happens to be. And I say, okay. But the concept is that that's what he came into the body of Christ to do, to become an armor bearer so he can get close to that level of leadership. Because we believe that all the leadership comes from the pulpit. But so much leadership is sitting in the pew. So much leadership is in those vessels that are listening and, and, and celebrating their faith in a way that glorifies God. And as it was said earlier, leadership has to extend beyond the wall. If we're called to make disciples, there comes a time when we cannot even contain the amount of leadership that is coming before the the pastor who is, is, is required to perfect and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We wouldn't be able to contain that if we've recognized that leadership first starts with a relationship. I keep going back to that word, a relationship. And we may have different ways of measuring leadership that may be contradictory to what the word of God says that a leader should be. First, connected to the divine. Secondly, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, humbles himself so that he might be a vessel fit for the master's use. And so when he stands to speak prophetically the word of God, there is no question. There is no wondering whether or not this word or this teaching or this modeling comes from the Lord. So the state of church leadership is, is confusing. you got people who are, are one leader is trying to tear down another leader. One is trying to usurp authority over this group or over that group. And so it seems to me that the challenge is for church leadership is to first be the church. Let the church be the church. And when the church is the church, then the leadership in the body of Christ submits to the highest authority first which is the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, the Holy Ghost or the dunamis of God, the power of God that positions us to mold and shape these very sensitive hearts and souls that come before us and, and, and be able to pour into them everything that has been poured into me to replicate, to duplicate the process over and over again so that God might be glorified. But there's always been a battle uh, uh, for leadership, who's on first, what's on second, right. I don't know who's on third, but the challenge is as we continue this process of unraveling the intent of godly leadership, the word godly has to be out front, and that my character, my character exemplifies the character of the king. Jesus came to, to model, Jesus came to exemplify his father. 
He said, I only do what I heard my, I only do what I've seen my father do. I only say what I've heard my father say. So church mm-hmm. leadership must be imitated. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. <laughs> you don't have to try to come up with some fancy slogans. All you got to do is say, Lord, here I am. <laughs> Use me. Right. Speak through me. I want to, I want to be able to be a, a leader in your body so that I might lead men and women to a position, to a place in you that cannot be destroyed by uh, the, 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 the things that come against real, genuine leaders. And as you said before, uh, uh, some leaders have been exposed over the past few years. And 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 I don't want to get into that, but, but again, <laughs> at some point, what you're connected to I think I preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago. You are what you are connected to. Mm-hmm. You manifest what you're connected mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Right. If I flip the switch here in my office at the house and the light doesn't come on, I got one or two choices. I can sit in darkness <laughs> or I can go find another light and plug it in and see if it's the problem the fuse or is it the bulb. We've got to be able to say to leadership that the first requirement is tell me of your experience with the master. Mm. I just asked this question the other day. Tell me what you heard when you first believed. What was the conversation? What did you agree to? What did the master say? And what did you and he finally agree to that caused you now to walk in this newness of life? There has to be a dialogue. And it cannot just be based on leadership in the religious mm-hmm. sense or in the in, yeah. the in the church sense. Because when your leader falls, I remember watching uh, the shoot em my dad was saying. They say, shoot the chief. Shoot the chief. Mm. <laughs> shoot the chief. And the Indians were scattered. But what's happened in church leadership, and we've had a lot of, of leaders that's been shot. And now the people don't know which direction to go. Because they themselves... Uh, have not experienced uh, this transformational power of God unto salvation outside of the leadership. Mm-hmm. And they've relegated their whole experience. When I ask people, how many of you spent time in the presence of the Lord this week before Sunday? The heads go down. <laughs> you mean to tell me yeah. you waited six days? Said, you you wasted six days, spent no time in the presence of the Lord. And you come here looking for me to give you a rhema word, and the word rhema means word. So you want a word, word, and you have spent no time in the presence of the Lord. Oh, wow. And, and this is what we're experiencing when we're trying to replicate and duplicate and wonder why Joe and Susie have never led one person or prayed with one person to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what to say. Really? <laughs> what, I, what I pose to say, Pastor? Well, if I got to tell you, <laughs> but anyway, so the challenge is the state of church leadership is evolving, exposed, and seeking a place of that they might prove what is that good, perfect, and excellent will of God our Father. It's a struggle, but the struggle is not without being over to being able to overcome the struggle when we plug in to the consistent presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you and you guys can hear me? 
Yes. Yes, now we can. Yes. I switched I switched up. I've been switching back and forth, so y'all work with me. It's a work in progress. It's a yeah. work. It's a work. it's a work in progress. Also, Elliot, you wanted to uh give us a couple of comments on this because then what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna just transition to topics that are near and dear to your heart. I might ask one more question as we close, but you wanted to uh chime in on this. Yeah, I just wanted to add something else to what Pastor Grady was saying was you know what I'm saying about us. Uh, uh, being submitted, uh, it made me run to Romans 13.1. In Romans 13.1, it says, Let every soul be submitted unto a higher power. For there is no power but of God, the power that be are ordained of God. Yes. And so the word, the word tells us not only to be submitted, but it tells us submission to influence is for your soul. And the reason I say that is because, you know, when one does a, a word search here on power that's used here. I know, Pastor, you touched about the dunamis, the ability of us. I said, but watch this. In this verse, the word power is exousia, which means influential power. So the word tells us, let every soul, which is what the Lord is looking to deliver. He ain't looking to save your spirit. He's looking to save your soul. So he says, let every soul be subject to a higher influence. I, I, you know, and I just want to, you know, for those, you know what I'm saying, to kind of caveat and tie into what. Pastor Grady was saying, I'm like, hey, somebody go read this uh, uh, Romans 13, 1, that influence is something that is a necessity, not that we just trying to wrap you around the axle and say you right. need to submit to something or someone. What the word says, I mean, if you're a Bible believer, Paul says here that it is a necessity for your soul to be submitted to influence. And prayerfully, it's the higher influence of the Holy Spirit that you submit to. See, men of God and women of God like we are are only the conduit. If we're in under the right influence of the Holy Spirit, which is his character, then what happens is people are not submitting to us as the vessel. They're submitting to the spirit of the Lord God that's in us. That's the influence. And so when people put it in the correct perspective, uh, uh, now what happens is the Lord says you're being obedient through what the word says, because you're not looking at the man. You're looking at the spirit that's in the man. I like how uh, uh, men of God, I, I, I've been teaching on some of the Old Testament prophets recently in my Bible study. And what I brought out, I'm, uh, for instance, I'm teaching on Obadiah and the word says uh, a vision came to Obadiah. Now, we know the word vision means revelation. The Hebrew word is shazon, which means a revelation. Cain Obadiah, but the, the Lord gave me a profound revelation. He said, I didn't come to the man. I came to the character that the man is named. And his name means servant of the Lord or worshiper of the Lord. So the Lord ain't coming to Apostle Eliot, the person. He's coming to the character of himself that's in the person. I just happen to be the vessel that he's using. Are uh, 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 y'all grabbing what I'm saying? So, so, so in that, then the influence 
that the Lord wants to happen is his character in the individual who is supposed to be influencing others. They ain't following me. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So he's saying, he's saying the influencer of me is Christ. So if you're going to follow me, you following the Christ that's in me. I'm just a man in the physical realm that is hosting the following process. Yeah, exactly. I, I hope exactly. I made sense right exactly. there. No, and, and, and that is good because my only two cents on that, when we talk about leadership, I have served six pastors. I have been a minister of music. I have been a praise team. I have been a musician. I have been the armor bearer. I have been a servant in ministry. And what I see in my experience is we have a lot of people who are jumping up for title and position and they want the license but they have no experience in the servanthood. You know, they have no experience just serving. And so something happens, going back to what you were saying about that exousia, where something happens to a man or a woman when they are submitted under the authority of God, recognizing the God in person. People recognize the God in Jesus, so here we are today. Recognizing the God in people, not serving people, but serving the God in people. There's something about that. And, and, and it teaches your spirit, you know, for a lot of people that are pastors and elders and leaders, you know, it teaches you how to take care of other people and how to deal with the flock of God when you've been there, done that, and you've been hurt and you know what it is to serve. And so you don't want to, you know, hurt other people or you know how to treat people because you've been there. And I look around, so, you know, sometimes I, I hear pastors say this, I hear this bishop say this, I hear people you know, saying different things. I hear saints, you know the deal. We all get phone calls and this, you know, from saints and this happened and that happened. And I'm like, I cannot believe that they are experiencing this in, in synagogues or in buildings where people say the church is present. Because we have leaders that have not taken the low road. They have not crucified their flesh. And so, you know, uh, it is what it is, but fasting and praying goes a long way. And and I guess that's my that's gonna be my last question and then I'm gonna transition as we close uh into you know each one of you you can pick a topic that's near and dear to your heart to expound on for a few minutes. But I wanna talk about I call them the technologies of the spirit. I call you know, fasting and prayer and you know, the laying of hands, prophesying. Can we talk about fasting and prayer or the tools that God has given us in the scripture? Going into this new year, can you just talk just about those tools uh, of fasting and prayer? And those are two that are emphasized. Uh, a lot of people don't fast and pray anymore. You know, people go on diets. <laughs> you know, but I, but when you talk about fasting and prayer, I've seen a lot of videos today. Uh, not today, but during this year and people are going on a 21 day fast here and a 14 day fast here. Well, the last time and now, now we've all been on some fasts, but when you are on a fast and the Lord is with you, there is something about your countenance, your spirit, it radiates. You know, when people have touched the Lord or when they are on a fast, they are not alive. They're speaking from another realm and another dimension. But when I look at everybody's on a fast, but I'm like, um, you're a little bit alive. You're still here. Where is 
Where, where, where is that character of Christ? Where is our flesh dying? So can we talk about fasting and prayer or any other, or whether you want to focus you know, laying of hands and prophecy. I call those technologies of the spirit. But I wanna I wanna talk about those to see what do you do they have a place in the church? Do we even fast and pray in the church? Because some believe people believe we don't do that. What is the what is the efficacy of fasting and prayer? How should we fast and pray? Should everybody do it? The apostle, I'm gonna yield. <laughs> Can I touch let, let, let yes. me touch it. Let me touch it. I see it in you. Okay, right? yeah. I, I you know, I'm like a kid in the candy store. I said, yes, Yeah, okay. Oh. He talking about fasting. All right, first of all, one thing that I want to bring to those that are listening to their attention, the intent of fasting is one, not for you to have a diet, and number two, not just for the answer you're looking for. Now, let, let me clarify what I'm what I'm what I'm saying. Because if my intent of my fast is for the Lord, it's not only to seek his face or his presence regarding my issue or my concern. I'm also yielding myself to be the vehicle for him to bring something through me as the conduit back in the earth that I would not have been capable of in my prior state. Uh, grab, grab what I'm saying. So, so that means even though I'm looking for the Lord to, you know, many people going fast to look for an answer from him, but, but many fail to say, Lord, even in me fasting for you, which is denying your flesh, people only articulate fasting as not eating or so forth. But no, the intent is the denial of your flesh. Yes. So now in the denial of my flesh, I'm supposed to be in the posture of saying, Lord God, I'm denying my flesh not only to get an answer for what I'm looking for, but I also want to pro uh, posture myself to be the vehicle for what you want to get back in the earth realm through me. Because see, before your fast, there's many things that are going through your body, whether it's the natural food or it's natural things that you're doing, which is why I emphasize denial of your flesh. Because the fasting doesn't stop with not eating. The fasting is a denial of flesh things in your life while you're in the fast. So that, watch this, when you are in your fasting state, it's one of the most purest forms that he can use you as a conduit to get the frequency into this reality as to what he wants to say or what he wants others to know through you. So this is something significant that people have to know when they're going into a fast. You're not doing it as 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 a lose lose weight thing, or or you saying, okay, I'm not going to eat. There's some other things that you have to take into context with what the fast is, and 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 let me kill another myth as well while we're touching this thing of fasting, because oftentimes many people, as we have turned the year, people will say our church is going to do a Daniel fast. And when they do the Daniel fast, they say the Daniel fast is 21 days. All right, y'all y'all know this, y'all know this. But let me give you a revelation. When, when you go and you read the verse very closely, it only said on day 21 that the Lord spoke to Daniel. So the fast could have been longer than 21 days. So, so many people box the Lord God in by 
creating a theological concept of fasting that they're basing on scripture, but they're not basing it on the accuracy of what the scripture really, really says. So sometimes it takes 21 days, three sevens, three perfectings of yourself. If y'all understand, because the number seven is the number of perfection. It is the perfecting or the maturing of you. So, so basically once you got matured three times over, one for the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Now, he says, I begin to speak to you while you're still in the fast, not at the end of your fast. Right. So, so sometimes uh, people got to understand, if I'm going to fast for the Lord to give me something or for something to be done, you can't put a time block on the Lord God because he may have to push you or stretch you a little bit further than your natural mind or carnal mind wants to go. But he needs you to do something supernatural in order for a supernatural act to come to you in this reality. Now, in conjunction with that, as you said, prayer. Prayer is supposed to be the dialogue, but I hope I don't offend nobody. But here's the thing. Prayer with the Lord implies not dialogue only. It implies meditation. But unfortunately, a lot of people got diarrhea of the mouth. And what I'm referring to is we all have something to say when we pray. But how often do you give him time to respond back? That is what meditation is. So just as much as I've got something to say, the Lord God got something to say by, back as well. The conversation may be longer, but the thing is, sometimes he looks at your obedience to see how willing are you to wait to hear something from me. And watch this. When it comes to the Lord speaking, the Lord can speak in both audio or video. Why do I say that? Well, for those that are Bible readers, when you turn to the book of Revelation, I'm going to give you an example. Every time John describes something, notice that when he finished the description, he said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. John ain't talking about what he heard. He's describing something. So that means the Lord God can talk to you whether he wants to do it audibly or, 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 or visually. So there is a audio and visual preparation because see the word says by two or three let everything be established so that means by your audio let it be established by your video by your video let it be established by your audio so there's a couple of things that are supposed to be going on in your prayer dialogue, especially when you're praying in conjunction with fasting, because just as much as you're talking, there's some frequencies that are coming out of Kim that sometimes you can't pick up on it because your impurities have been a dampener that cause you not to get the frequency. Case on point, people understand about cell phones, right? You go outside, your cell phone works, but you go in some buildings, then you, you say, man, I don't have service. And it's because some things that, that in your natural have uh, caused the frequency of the Lord God to not be picked up. All right. Why do, why do I say that? Even in the book of, of Revelation, when John said, I heard a voice, what's funny, the word voice comes from phone. P-H-O-N-E, phone, which means frequency. So he's operating when you fast and when you pray in a frequency that is interpreted either by audio sound or visual sight.
And so those those things, man of God, if, if, if I've hit the nail on the head, are some things people got to first take into perspective when they say they're going to pray, i.e. pray and meditate, and in the same turn when they fast. Right, right. Because I remember uh, a while back, I'll say this, we'll take this break, and then we'll, you know, we'll come back. Because I know for me, uh, you know, the scripture does say when you pray, say. But by when you really analyze prayer, like you were saying too, when you really analyze prayer, one could actually say that an advanced state of prayer is a manifested lifestyle. The huh. sense that prayer is communication with God, right? Show you and, right. And, you know, you got folks who just want to, you know, I said they got that Adams family anointing. They just want to do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live. <laughs> you know the theme song of the Adams family. They just got that anointing and that, and, and, <laughs> There was a song by a group called the Osley Brothers, and I say it all the time because I see, I, I'm being facetious, right, when I say it, and I say people got an Osley Brothers anointing. I just be funny when I say that, but I'm, you know, they say it's your thing. People live in a state where they say it's my thing, and I do exactly what I want to do with it. The preacher can't tell me nothing. I'm just going to do me because God sees my heart. God sees my heart. And, and I can just do what I want to do. Pastor Elliot, that was awesome uh, for, you know, uh, expounding on uh, fasting and prayer. And I hope that people got something from that. I'm taking, take I'm taking notes. <laughs> he said, I'm taking notes. Taking notes. He taking names and you taking notes. The <laughs> <laughs> so concept. We, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, I'll wait. I'm about to transition to a break. Let's take a quick break. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Please share this with somebody. You are uh, watching the Strategically Prophetic Broadcast. And this is a discussion room session. Our guest on tonight, Apostle uh, Dr. Uh, Terrence Elliott, Pastor or Michael Grady, who is from El Paso. He's an activist as well. And so we've been having some wonderful discussions. We're going to take a small break, come back, and we're going to close uh, up the program. Uh, if you are enjoying this, please give us a comment. If you have a question, please let us know. We're going to take this break, and after this, we will be back to the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. <laughs> 